0: As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Here's a cool
1: fact.
2: Plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: This episode, I'm joined by Tonya Carter, who calls herself a marriage exit strategist. And I quite like the sound of that title because, you know, when people call them a breakup expert or a relationship expert, it's all the emotion, isn't it? Whereas marriage exit feels quite practical And I think sometimes you forget when you are exiting a marriage that you do need to be quite practical and plan for these things. And it was a pleasure to chat to her. She's very eloquent and I love the way she communicates some of her ideas as well. So I hope you enjoy this one. I am joined by Tonya Carter, a marriage and relationship exit strategist. Welcome to The Divorce Social.
3: Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it. I can call you Sam, right?
0: Yes, you can.
3: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
0: People in the Divorce Club are totally welcome to use my shortened name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because straight away we have a link, right?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you having me though. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, welcome.
0: So Mm -hmm. um, exit strategist of marriage (laughs) and relationships. What does that mean? I'm excited
3: by this title, but what does that mean? Initially, I did call myself a divorce coach, but I I didn't like the verbiage. Um, I felt like I was more than that. And I think it's more than that, to be quite frank, for all those who do divorce coaching. Um, you, You need a strategy. And what I realized is that it's more than just leaving the relationship or leaving the marriage. It's really having a game plan behind it. It's about being strategic about how do I want to design my life now? So that's what I want everyone to understand when exiting out of a marriage or exiting out of a relationship, that there needs to be some form of strategy after that, because that disruption can cause you to limit how you see yourself, how you see the world, how you see others, what you can have, what you can do and who you can become. And my goal is to not just encourage, but teach my clients that this was an experience and this was a chapter Right. And and it's important to know that because, you know, you can wake up years or decades later and it can be your book. And that's the goal. The goal is to disrupt the limiting beliefs that that can be affiliated with experiences such as divorce or a heartbreak. So I I wanted to be strategic in terms of them understanding that the power lies in them choosing and now saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to be the storyteller of my life. And not let this experience be defined how I live and who I become. So that's why I decided to change it to marriage exit strategies because you need to you need to be strategic about what this looks like for you.
0: And I think that's what I was so interested in when we kind of heard from you, because I do and the podcast gets so many messages from people who are considering their exit strategy. And sort of don't know how to approach that. And yeah, you're right. It is a strategy because it's not just you sit down and you have that initial conversation. It's that you have to pry your life apart from someone that you might have been with for a very long time. Absolutely. Takes much more than a conversation. It does. I'm going to ask you a difficult question now. This is this is the question I get most often. Mm -hmm. in kind of messages and and emails from people who listen to the podcast. And my answer is always, it has to feel right to you. I can't give you the answer, but I wonder what your answer will be, which is Mm -hmm. when do you know it's time to leave
3: the relationship and how do you do it? (laughs) Oh my God. You know what? That is a, that's a good question and it is a complicated one. Right. I actually did a podcast episode myself on discerning when to dissolve, because that is a discerning decision. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think either way is difficult. But there are three things that I can give people in terms of a question that they can ask themselves. And what this means is that I want them to look at it from a consistent standpoint not just a one-time thing. I'm I'm talking about a pattern now in regards to your marriage or your relationship. And the first question is, does both people honor their commitment with themselves, with one another and with others? And the reason why that's so important is because you, you need to see how you value your relationship. Many people like the idea of things, but sometimes we don't like what it comes with. And so- When you value something, you consider it to be important. You consider, you cherish it, you appreciate it, you respect it. And you have to look at whether or not if that's the dynamic between both people. Um, Another question is what fruit has been consistently produced from the current foundation that your relationship is standing on? Like you have to look at the results of your relationship. You have to look at the current outcomes. You have to look at the success or unsuccess of it. Um, Because what happens is we'll get kind of caught up in the thing of I love them or I've been with them for so long, but this is where we have to look at the current output. And the last question is, are both people willing to take mutual accountability and action? That's important too, because one person can be overly accountable. One person can be very underly accountable. And over time, that that can be daunting. It can become very irritating, frustrating, um, and that tolerance becomes low after a while. And I'm not saying that this is it, to make a decision, but discerning is very important now. Um, I've, I've seen where people, you know, be in something for decades, wishing that they had discerned a long time ago, um, believing that it'll get better with time, or if I do more of something, they will get it. And unfortunately, Sam, you, you can't force people to do or be anything that they just don't want to do or be, no matter how much you love them. Um, And that's the hard part because you have to realize that that's something that you honestly cannot control. And I had to learn that too. Um, That's a hard thing because I felt like my love could be enough for you to change. And that's not always accurate. So I hope that answers your, you know, answers your listener's question because, you know, sometimes I know, you know, but at the end of the day, you still have to decide. Um, That's, that's extremely important. You have to decide because it's important for you to make peace with your decision even if you don't like it, but you know, it's the best and safe decision. You got to think about what's safe and what's unsafe at this point for your quality of life. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think number three is interesting because I don't, I don't know if anyone would say, <laughs> even in a marriage where they're not thinking about divorce, that, um. well, hopefully people would say, but that they're in a relationship where both people are
3: accountable. <laughs> I think we're always... Um. I'm serious because it's a lot of finger pointing, Um, you know, in full transparency, I did it. And there were things that, you know, he did do, but I also had to look at what I did. And the reason why that's important is because I needed to change my story. Because again, this, this is the strategy part that I'm talking about. It's more than just leaving the person. You have to look at yourself. It's, it's, that's the ownership. That's the part, that's the power actually. It's not about fault or blame it's about power it's about autonomy it's about saying you know what if I want my life to be different I have to do something differently no matter what that is even if you love them so much but did you set boundaries though did you did you speak on things that matter to you and if you didn't we, we got to look at that because love doesn't mean to disregard or self-neglect what you need so that's the that can be the complicated part but that's the part where you in my humble opinion, is where you thrive. I'm not really referring to surviving here. I speak on thriving. Thriving is a different mindset. Yeah, we like thriving. We want <laughs> thriving. <on the> <laughs> we want. We do, and we and thriving can be kind of difficult at times because you know it's, you know, some situations. I hear you don't. I, I always tell people you don't deserve mistreatment. that's not what ownership is about you don't deserve being mistreated but you do deserve to speak on things that matter to you 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 deserve to know that your needs are important don't sacrifice needs believing that that's what you should do in order to be loved and validated and all those things Mm -mm, absolutely not yeah totally
0: it's funny you said that about love as well Because I definitely think me personally, before I got divorced, I would have said that love is enough and that like romantic idea of as long as we love each other, everything will be fine. And then, you know, at the end of my marriage, I think we did still love each other. It was in a different way, but love wasn't enough because it was all of the other things and the accountability and the practical living together and what that means that um, came into it and and I'm interested as well as in what's the fruit of your relationship obviously we're not talking about strawberries and apples what does it (laughs) what does it unless you know maybe you are listening and you own a fruit farm together with your partner and then it might be strawberries and apples but what does the fruit of your relationship mean like what what should you be looking
3: out for what's good fruit and what's rotten fruit I always say a heart check is important because that helps you determine how you function in terms of your heart space. You know, what it's filled with, that's important. Our experiences in life, our maybe even trauma that we may never unpack, that will impact how you function relationally. And so it's important to discern people's heart space. Is it filled with joy or pain? I mean, is it filled with empathy? or apathy. I mean those things are important. And so that's why when we say discerning the fruit, I'm looking at the conditioning of a person's heart. You can be a good person but your heart can be tainted just from the things you've been through in life and you never unpacked it, you never dealt with it, you never worked through it. Your emotional health needs work and we all need that. I mean it's no one's exempt from it, but those types of things are so influential to how you show up in someone's life. That's why love is never enough. Yeah, it's sad, but true. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's delve now into your own divorce, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um,
3: how long ago was it? Where were you in the world in your life? Um, I've been divorced for a while. Um, I've been divorced maybe 13 years at this point. I was how old was I I'm
0: you're smiling as well which I like you said 13 years oh, and you yeah. smiled <laughs> that's that's a yes. good
3: introduction to it I don't have any ill will about it at all in the beginning yes I mean let's be real but with healing and doing the work I'm I'm just not I'm not there anymore in terms of that but I was 28 years old um you know most people would define that as young I my, my children at the time I have a 20 and a 16 year old now so I would say roughly my son was about seven. Um, my daughter was about two, you know, so it was a different, it was different back then. I We separated. Two weeks later, I lost my job. I, I dealt with a lot in that season. Um, a lot of financial hardships, job losses. The recession was back in 08 when we separated. He He moved on pretty quickly. So it was something I had to navigate and deal with too, because that wasn't the easiest thing to deal with at the time. I would say I suppressed a lot of things at that moment because I didn't know how to feel I didn't know how to deal. I didn't know emotions was something I needed to look into. I grew up with keep it moving. That was my mentality until 2015 um, when I kind of stopped in terms of getting off autopilot. Because that's what happens when you don't deal with anything in this autopilot, you know, mindset. And um, I, I looked at my life and I didn't like the direction. I didn't like my choices. I didn't like how something shaped me into being someone I didn't like, right? So it wasn't necessarily, oh, I want my marriage back because I didn't. I just didn't like how the experience left me. I didn't like how it changed me to feel like I had to prove that I was worthy of love. I didn't like the limiting belief of being a single mother. I didn't like the beliefs that that experience left me. And so that's when I made a decision to move forward. That was the Actually the day that my dad had his heart attack is when his heart attack kind of gave me this awakening over my life. And my life has changed and it hasn't been the same since 34. So one of the things that I'm 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 keen on is people divorcing the story because you can be stuck in something and I was stuck in something for half of a decade. Unconsciously. You know, because my mindset was I got to keep it moving, I got to keep it moving, but I wasn't really going anywhere. The years were different, but and my age was different, but my output was still the same. My fruit was still the same. And that needed to change because I didn't like the fruit that was being produced. And the only person who was responsible for that was me. And so that's when my life changed. And so that's in a nutshell of my story. I I, I did not want to be married anymore. Um, I knew I knew it was the best decision, even though I didn't want it because I didn't want to feel like I was a failure. I pride myself on achieving and I pride myself on, I felt like longevity meant it worked. I didn't like what came with divorce, but I didn't want to be married anymore. Um, that it was just, that was the truth that I, I didn't want it. So did you make the decision to get divorced? We, it, was, it was mutual. It was a mutual decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And did you have an exit strategy at
3: that time? I did not. I didn't because I didn't know I needed one, right? Because the the mindset is, you know, getting rid of them is going to be the gateway to your happiness. And that can have some truth in it. I believe that, especially depending on the circumstances, I think it can bring you a level of relief, but to live an intentional life, you have to still have an exit. You still have to have a strategy in terms of detaching from the experience in its entirety because you can find yourself leaving the person but they're still you're still married to them mentally and emotionally they're impacting how you show up relationally they're impacting how you see yourself they're impacting how you show up as a parent they're impacting you and your finances and you don't even realize it you don't still see, the power that this person still has on you, even though they're no longer with you. And that's the part that we have to detach ourselves from. So no, I didn't necessarily have a game plan. I I, I thought I did, but in reality, when I sat down, I didn't have a game plan. Um, I didn't. And that's why the strategy part is so vital because a person can have control over you and not even be in your life. I think that's such a good point is that. <laughs>
0: That, you know, you can have had the conversation, you can have done all the paperwork and be officially divorced, but you Correct. can still be married in that connection and letting them rule your life. And I can mm-hmm. totally relate to that. So mm-hmm. how
3: do you go about detaching? <laughs> okay. The first thing I did, I made a choice. I think people overskip the, the power of decision making. And what I, and what that means is that I made a decision. And I kept my commitment. I renewed a new covenant. And that is very important because, you know, we can all move on motivation. We can all be inspired and then say, I'm going to change or I'm going to do this. And then that wears off and then you kind of revert back. But I didn't do that. I made a decision and I made it every day. Um, And that was very important because when you want to detach, life will attempt to make you feel like that's not going to work for you. You're, you're going to be tested. You're, you're going to be challenged. And it's in those challenges and in those moments that you still have to stand firm on your decision. So you have to be committed regardless of how you feel, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what they did to you. You still have to remain committed. And that was important. And when I was married, I made a covenant, which is why I think it bothered me so much. Cause I made this huge promise and I felt like I broke that promise. So I had to renew a new promise to myself and give myself the same word. So I had to honor that. And that, that was important. I tell my clients is you, you're not going to like it every day and you may not like me, but I'm okay with that. But at the end of the day, I know it works. So that was first and foremost, no excuses, no excuses. No, I'm a single mother. None of that. I I had to throw all of that because there's always an excuse and excuses postpones your execution. So I had to stop making excuses. That was my first thing. The second thing I allowed myself to do was really level my mind up. My mindset. Um, Mindset work is crucial. You can only go as far as you believe. And my belief system was not as elevated, like I wanted it to be. And so I truthfully started off reading books. I didn't do this big retreat. I didn't do all of the things, this, these, this big, these big things that people believe it has to be on this granular scale that that's just what I didn't do that. My inner world had to change first before my outer world did. And so it came from reading books. It came from detoxing myself from certain things that I would listen to. I had to be mindful of truly what I was planting in my ears because that was a game changer. I joined a personal development community. Then I hired a coach. I didn't do all that initially. Um, I I just didn't. I I know sometimes people think like, man, what did you do? It's so big. No, it was very small. It started off reading a book, being intentional, listening to different things that that were opposite than what I listened to. And that's really where I started. And then from there, it just built. I got obsessed with improvement because I saw the change in me. And then people saw the change in me. My glow up was different. um, And I started moving differently because my mindset was different and it just evolved from there. I
0: think it's really nice to hear that it was like a small, small changes to begin with, because I think it can be quite daunting of like, oh, my gosh, I've got to like the first thing I do is go on a retreat or go on, you know, (laughs) traveling around the world to find myself or, you know, like those are all really big things that you've got, again, plan for and stuff. Whereas something really small and day to day that you can do, I don't know, for me, feels much more manageable as a way
3: to start like the ball rolling. Absolutely. Because I still had children. I still had to work. I had other obligations. And so sometimes that can cause you to believe that you can't do anything in your season. And you can, you have to recognize the season you're in and work accordingly. So in being a mom, working, taking care of my day to day, I had to find those gaps or those times or you know, in between that I can do things. So whether that meant listening to something in the car on my way to work, that's what, that was what I had to do. Coming home from work, that's what I was doing. On my lunch break, I read books. So I was doing this in between the times that I had. So I maximized my time. And that was very important for me because when you look at what somebody else does and you're like, well, I can't do what they do. That's fine. But what can you do? Let's look at what we can do. Let's let's change the perspective because you'll always find a reason on why you can't. It's always going to be a reason, but there's going to always be a reason on why you can't or most importantly, why you should. And so that's what I did. It was very simple, but it was a discipline I had to develop.
1: Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry?
0: This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com. Ding dong! what you said about decision-making is important as well because yeah, just changing your mindset and making that decision and believing it every day, as you said, can have a huge impact. And it's almost like you need to remarry yourself, like put Mm. the veil on, make yourself a promise, give yourself (laughs) a nice ring. And then there's a reminder that, you know, this, this is my new promise. Now I may have made that promise to that other person, but that's Mm -hmm. over now. And here's here's my new divorce ring and my promise. Maybe have a photo shoot. I did have a photo shoot actually when I got divorced Seriously? in my house. When yeah. I got the paperwork through. And, and, and I think decision making is such a big part and can change your psyche so much. So at the moment I'm pregnant for the first time. And ah. yeah, it's my first long-term relationship since my divorce. And, you know, it's all going nicely. And I had a really difficult first trimester and i almost had to like make a decision or well, not almost i did make a decision to try and enjoy being pregnant because it wasn't all the physical side of things wasn't nice so it's very mm-hmm. easy to get caught up in like this is the worst why am i doing this so i had to yeah make that decision and start reminding myself of like why there are also nice things about being pregnant when it felt really sad and That really helped my mindset and just cheered me up. It seems like a simple thing. You know, it's not, I didn't start taking a remedy that made me feel less sick, you know, but it was just once your outlook changes, it can have a huge impact across so many areas of your life. You know, you said, going back a little bit about your own divorce, you said that you, you know, had that mutual decision to end the marriage. And then you lost your job. And your father had a heart attack. My dad died just um, on my hindu, actually. It was ridiculous timing from my dad, but he would have thought it was funny. Um, So you, you had a lot to contend with at that time. Do you remember... One of those days when you would just felt like the world was crashing down on you. I always talk about crying on my kitchen floor, like face down, just like this is how am I going to get up from this?
3: I do. Um, I think in 2012, I felt that way. Um, even though we separated in 08, I felt like I was in a storm and it just would not pass <laughs> from losing jobs which probably was the biggest thing at that point because finances matter, <laughs> whether, you know, it, it matters. Um, it, it wasn't that I wasn't smart or I didn't have degrees. I did, but it was just rough in the market. And that was the year my kid's father moved out of state. So I, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was very pissed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I us just call it what it is. I was because I felt that I had to be left to parent alone. And regardless if we got a divorce, that's not what I signed up for in terms of parenting. I felt like I just couldn't catch a break. I was um, entertaining someone that I really cared about and that went downhill. My grandmother died that year. Um, She died on my mother's birthday to be exact. And um, I lost my cousin to stomach cancer that year. It was just a rough, I felt like at that point it was just too much. And my body started to take a toll. My body started taking a toll where I started having panic attacks that year. Where out of the blue, I I experienced my very first one at my daughter's school. She was in ballet at the time and I had got out the car to go pick her up. And my heart just was like, you would have thought that I was running because my heart was just going so fast. And I was just like, what is this? Because I had never experienced anything um, to that caliber before. And I I told them, I need you all to call the ambulance because I don't know what's going on. And come to find out, I just was just very stressed. and that basically was what it was, the, the stress of everything. And it was just a lot. And in 2012 was 2012 was that year of too much for me. I just felt like I couldn't catch a break. It changed me in a lot of ways, but it it also allowed me to 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 realize that I can I can move past this and, and I did. But in that moment, it was a lot for me. I'm not gonna lie. The hardest part was pretending that it wasn't, though. You know, and that was the thing that I had to learn how to stop doing, to stop pretending and masking everything and saying, I'm okay when you're not. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That was the that was one of my hardest things to detach from is feeling like I always had to be superwoman and I always had to have it together because people tell you that you're strong and you feel obligated to live up to that expectation. And if not, you feel like you're disappointing other people and yourself. And when you, when you're not okay, you might misinterpret that as I'm not competent or capable. And that's not true. So learning how to detach myself from the belief of me believing that I had to be okay was very influential in having a strategy because I had to admit that I wasn't in order to have a game plan to be better. And who were you who are you trying to convince that you were okay? Was it other people, your children, yourself? Of course, all of it. Um, I had a lot of pride. Um, the last thing I wanted anyone to believe was that I failed. I think, even just part of my upbringing, I love my parents. I I, I have amazing parents. However, I also think the the need to feel like you can do it was always embedded in me from a, from a child. So I think that programming was something that I took into adulthood and took into my life, which can be a gift and a curse in my opinion. And in this case, it wasn't beneficial because I really was bothered and hurting and just things that I needed to do and unpack on my own. And I cared about what people thought, even though I used to say I didn't, (laughs) I I cared. You know, that's the bottom line. I I didn't want nobody to to see me sweat. I didn't want nobody to see me hurt. So, so, you know, social media, I need you to see that I'm doing okay. I I need you to know that I'm good. It, It was, you know, I hated to admit that part about myself, but that was true. I didn't want anyone to know that I was hurting. So whatever I needed to do to make you think that I was good, I would do it to that extreme.
0: And how did you get yourself out of that? Did you start just
3: being honest with people? I started being honest with myself, um more so than people. I owed myself the gift of truth. I owed myself to be vulnerable to me, regardless of how other people saw my vulnerability. I didn't it didn't matter what you thought. I had to care about it first. That was my gift to me. um, whether or not if you accept it is on you respectfully. Right. And that was something that I I needed to do. I I had to die to worrying about what other people think. It's a lot of work caring about what other people think. It's a lot of work. It's more work than what I wanted to give it. And that's where I birthed my authenticity too. I can appreciate the old version of me, but I don't want to go back to her, but I appreciate her, but I don't want to go back to her. She was too stressed out and too concerned about whether the what other people thought felt the need to impress, wanted to be validated. I'm okay with all of that. So I, I think it's it took layers. It was layers to this. It wasn't this overnight process. It was layers that I had to unfold. And you know, truth be told, I don't think it never technically ends. But I would say that that's something that I still do to this day, is I, I allow myself to to be vulnerable with me. That was the best thing that I gave myself was just learning how to be, to just be. I'm always a doer. That's something I do easily. But learning how to be and feel was something I had to learn. And how did you learn that? (laughs) practice. (laughs) It is a a practice. It's not, it is. It's sitting with yourself. It's asking yourself tough questions. Um, I read a lot of books. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. I read a lot of her books. Um, Definitely her books helped me. In terms of- I'm a big I
0: fan love
3: us too. I love her. Uh, she's she's she is my BFL from afar, but I, I I appreciate her breakdown of of vulnerability. It made me look at it differently. It made me realize how courageous it is to actually be vulnerable because I thought it was more of a weakness than a strength. And when I started changing my my paradigm on what that meant, it allowed me to show up in increments to myself. Um, and so it, it took practice, though, sitting with myself, calling emotions for what they were, not just saying I'm angry. What is it really? <laughs> you know, let's 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 expand our emotional vocabulary, Tanya. And that was what I had to do. Just learning how to name things and asking myself, why do I feel this way and, and challenging how I feel and asking myself, is this really true? Um, you know, those types of things and, and doing it daily observing myself what's triggering me why is it triggering me why does that bother me so much um why do I feel jealous why why do I feel hurt why do I feel disappointed why do I feel happy right because it's not always about you know feeling pain you can also feel pleasure what drew that to me so just practicing how to feel sitting with myself getting off the phone. Sometimes just disconnecting from the world. So I can't connect to myself. So that was a a practice that I had to learn how to cultivate. So would
0: you literally, you know, sit somewhere quietly
3: and think Mm -hmm. whether it could be sitting, it could be in a car with no music, no nothing. Um, So, you know, it doesn't have to be just sitting somewhere. I mean, one of the things that I I tell my clients is go to, you know, go to a place that works for you. It can be a park. It can be by the water. um, It can be in your room. It can be in the morning. Whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be for a long period of time. It can be a few minutes, you know, because it can be almost uncomfortable to do, especially if that's not something new for you. But just pay attention to what triggers you. That's really important. Um, like how was my morning? Look at your morning. how was it? Was it good and then someone cut you off the road and you got instantly triggered and it threw your entire day off. Let's look at that. Did you get a text message from your ex? How did that impact you? right? So these are the things that we we have to look into now um so we can monitor ourselves because emotions are communicators. they are there to tell you something. there is information. And it's important for us to understand what does this mean? Let's start asking ourselves tough questions and being honest, unapologetically, no matter how it feels, make the truth be so unfiltered and allow yourself to be uncomfortable in that. And that's where you start to trust yourself more. You start to listen to yourself more. You start to see what you value. You start to see what boundaries might need to be set. You may need to see what adjustments I might need to make in this relationship. Um, You know, all those things. So, yes, it it is a practice. Now it's just my lifestyle. But in the beginning, it was just something I had to intentionally do. I like what you said about
0: expanding your emotional vocabulary, (laughs) because I do
3: think with divorce,
0: it's so easy to just be angry or just be sad. And actually right. when you delve into those, you're like, well, but why? Correct. Apart from the fact I'm going through a divorce, why Absolutely. actually is the specific thing that is making me angry today? Or and yeah, and I, I remember doing this work with, you know, a counsellor. And that was useful for me because it was kind of guided. So I had to do it to begin with. And yeah really kind of picking apart those areas is really interesting and you're reminding me actually to do it now because I feel like I've forgotten it I'm like oh after this chat we have I'm gonna sit down and think about how I feel because I think you know also I am pregnant and my emotions are all over the place so (laughs) taking stock
3: is always
0: good no matter what you're going through, but especially in a, a big life change like a divorce.
3: Yeah, you gotta check in. You you need to check in with yourself. It, that's all it is. It's it's just checking in. Hey, I'm just checking in. Cause you know how we check in on people. Hey girl, I'm just checking in to see how you doing. How you feeling? You you gotta be like, okay, Tanya, girl, how you doing? <laughs> I you know, and don't just say I'm fine. That's can be cliche. How are you really feeling? And and yes, so you do have to do do a check-in on purpose need to have like an honest WhatsApp conversation with yourself.
0: Oh, <laughs> like yeah. You're a friend. Right. Um, so when do you remember a time when you thought, oh, things have turned and I feel like I'm doing okay and I'm happy and I'm a new version of me?
3: I would say in 2016 is when I realized that, yeah, you're different. Um you've grown because again, we can get so caught up in the destination or believing we have to arrive that we don't look at the journey. So I had to learn how to look at the journey. Okay, Tanya, you're, you're making moves. What are those moves? Acknowledging your wins, um, on a micro level. I'm about small. I'm not about my macro all the time. M- micro creates the macro, but I had to look at those things. Like you really are moving forward. You're, you're just even in your mindset, especially when people noticed it. I, I didn't, cause at first I didn't, I've had people, I had people tell me, you're you're changing, you know, you're not as worked up as you used to be. Um, I see a glow on your face and most people say, well, who is it? And I was like, it's nobody, it's me, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was something that I knew that that was a good thing. And it made me want to do more and more and more. And, you know, now it's just a lifestyle. But 2016 was that pivoting point for me because um, I I had a friend that I liked at the time. um, And I realized that this wasn't gonna go anywhere. And I knew I changed because I'm so used to believing that I have to overly function (laughs) for someone to be in my life. And I didn't want to do that. And so I dissolved it. I was like, this ain't working for me. And didn't look back, didn't ask questions. It was just what it was. And that's how I knew, that was another part. It was other components too, in terms of parenting. My children even said, my my daughter, she told me that she remembered when I came home angry. She was like, mom, you used to be so angry. And I didn't think that because I was in autopilot. And my kids even noticed the new me. I, I I used to be one of those road raging people. <laughs> you know, I can laugh about it now, but I did. And my kids like, I used to remember, mom, you used to be so angry on the road, but now you just so calm about it. It, it. it doesn't even bother you. It's those things that I knew I was changing, that there was more on my life. I always knew there was more on my life, but I didn't allow myself to embrace that part. And so stepping into this, was something that I allowed to do um in 2016 in 2017 I started stepping into saying hey what am I what is my purpose here what am what am I supposed to do here and so being open to the unknown made me see that I was changing it was still scary but I did it anyway so it was it was those things that allowed me to realize that yeah you are changing and being happy in the moment and embracing that in the moment as opposed to saying oh I can do better yes you probably can do more but enjoy this moment be grateful that you've gotten to this point honor this season don't feel like I have to arrive to enjoy it I had to cultivate the joy on the journey
0: yeah I think the journey is so important. And also that reminder to enjoy it when you're in it. It's always been a big thing for me. I've always been like looking for the next achievement, hitting the next goal. And and I always have to remind myself to just take a minute and be like, wow, you know, right now, everything's good. Stuff's happening. And you know that quote that goes around on Instagram, which is like, if you five years ago saw what you do, you were doing now, they'd be like, so happy for you. But we don't think about it like that. We think what's next. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually went and did a, I was invited back to my old university to do the graduation speech. Oh, And it was like a huge strange moment for me because I thought, why do they want me to do the graduation speech? You know, (laughs) that they could have someone way better. And and then I almost wanted to like check and be like, are you sure you want me? Have you contacted the wrong person? And then I went back and it it just felt like a really nice full circle moment. Obviously it's not full circle because I'm still going on the circle, but you know of like oh wow me when i graduated from this uni would never in a million years have thought i'd be coming back to do this speech and i think taking those moments and like you said embracing
3: them is so important for just yeah. joy in life it is it, it really is and i can be like that too sam i get caught up in okay what's next i'm just naturally that can be my my response and it's like okay what have you done? You know, you know, I I do have to do that. I still have to be intentional about doing it to this day. And so, when did you know all
0: of this work that you've done on yourself? You saw yourself progressing, detaching from that past you. When did this turn into, okay, maybe
3: this is a job, and maybe I need to do this for a living? Twenty seventeen. Um, I knew. Speaking and and talking is a gift of mine. Even though I never knew it was, because I always got in trouble for it in school. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the thing I got in trouble for. My mom always had to go to the school. Your daughter's excessively talking. Come get her. Why you talk so much? Why you always? I was a big debater. I will argue you down. Um, it never was a thing that someone said, Hey, that's a gift there. No, that wasn't it. So I never knew in the moment that that was a gift. Well, also podcasts went around then.
0: Right. Whereas now talking on podcasts for an hour. Great. Right. It's
3: our gift. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love it. Um, and I realized that. Okay. And I've also heard people say, you know, you give great advice. That was something that I heard a lot from different people. Like you give really great advice. And I had a coach at the time and he said, well, Tanya, um, what is it that you fear? It was a mentor. And I said, I fear failure, but I also fear success. And I said, I know that sounds crazy. So it made me realize that I had developed a mindset of being content with being in the middle. Well, I wasn't doing too much. I wasn't doing just enough, right? And and for me, that was kind of like almost being mediocre compared to what I knew I could do. And um, I struggled with that for a while. And and at that point, I hired a coach. And he said, well, why don't you talk about divorce? And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. He was like, but you give great advice. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm not doing that because I don't want to feel like I'm promoting it. That was my mindset around it. And he was like, but you're not. You're telling people how to get through it. That's a difference. And I thought about it for a while. I prayed about it. I was like, should I do this? I don't know. And um, I needed some confirmation in regards to that. And um, I received it and I've been doing it ever since. So I've been doing it since 2017. And in in the beginning, it was uncomfortable. Not going to lie. But now I embrace it. I actually love it. I love when people say, you helped me get through this. Um, because- I know going back to the old version of me going through it. um, I'm not sure if there was a lot of information out there back then. Maybe it was Um, at the, at the time I wasn't looking for it because in that moment I didn't think I needed a strategy, but divorce can be such a taboo topic and it can come with shame too. That's affiliated with it. And so I realized that divorce really is very equivalent to a death. And when people die, everybody shows up you know, comes around, give money, food, condolences. Um, but when you go through a divorce, you may not receive that same level of compassion. So you're left to figure things out. Um, you're left to pretend. You're there to pick up the pieces. You still have to be there for your kids. You know, life doesn't stop because you're going through a divorce. Jobs don't even let you take off for this. Your business still may have to run if you have a business, Um being able to transition into co-parenting, depending on what happened in that marriage, you know, can really determine a lot on how you function. So I I realized it was, it was deeper than divorce. It wasn't just divorce. It was like, how is this going to leave me though? And that was the part that I needed to tap into in terms of working with people.
0: So now that you do work with people and you say you love it, you love helping people, Mm-hmm. And you definitely do have a gift for talking. I'm like, oh, I want to write things down and do them later. <laughs> Thank um, <you. laughs> What do you think, you know, you said you're afraid of success. What does the future look like for you now? What is your success?
3: Okay, well, I'm no longer afraid of it anymore. That was a, back in 2015, 2016 when I started this journey. I was I was fearful. Um Success for me isn't just about money, to be quite frank. I'm not saying money don't matter, okay? Let me be clear because I think money is money has its significance. it money can give you options. I do believe that wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but I, I I believe in success and having quality relationships. Um, success for me is having um a great relationship with my children, which I believe I've cultivated because of the work that I did. You know, I asked my my kids one time do you feel like you got the emotional support you needed from me? I didn't ask about financial support because I know you had that already, but the emotional support was so important. And they was like, I do. It was like, I really feel like you really was there for me emotionally. And that was huge for me. You know, as a, as a parent, I was like, okay, cool. You know, because sometimes we don't think about that part of, of what our children need. And I, in my work, it helped me be there for them. Um, success for me is seeing my clients thrive. Um, people who are on my mailing list, people who listen to my podcast, people who follow me, when when they've gotten something out of it in terms of helping their lives, that's success for me. Success for me is knowing, you know, I, I am a woman of faith and success for me is knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm doing the work that God called me to do. And that's important for me. Um, success for me is seeing people in the way that God sees them in terms of their heart, that's not always easy. Um, but it's that success for me, actually. So success for me means a lot of different things at this point. Um, success success does mean financial freedom. It's able to be able to provide for my kids. Is able to help other people who are in need. Um, that's important for me. Success is... My parents being proud of me, I still honor that. Being 42 years old, (laughs) I still get excited when my dad tells me, I'm very proud of you. That makes me feel good um, in knowing that. So it it means a lot of things. It, It means also people trust me to help them. That's huge because when you're going through something that can be so detrimental or so influential to your quality of life and knowing that I can help you, and you trust me to help you, I don't take that for granted. Um, I don't, that means a lot to me. And I'm very grateful that people trust me to be a support for them on this journey, whether that's through my book, my podcast, that matter. That matters to me. That means a lot to me. So success means a lot for me. Um, You know, being able to be generous to people um, is important for me. So it's, it's a lot of different things actually sounds like very healthy success yeah that's what i want um you know i don't want to i just
0: want a mansion and like
3: yeah I, you know, correct because <laughs> you know in, in the work that i do you, you you meet people who um maybe success in terms of finances but maybe broke relationally broke yeah. emotionally right and so that may not always be success so that can't for me, that's not my only measurement. You know, there's different measurements here. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So
0: if someone is listening and they are in going through a difficult time as part of their divorce, as part of their exit strategy, and, you know, they've listened to everything you said and they're thinking this all sounds great, but it sounds like so much work and I can't deal with it all right
3: now. Mm hmm.
0: Is there one bit of advice that you'd give them? How should they start?
3: Yes. One thing I'm going to say is that don't attempt to do it all at one time. That's where the overwhelm comes. This isn't, you You have to take this thing as a marathon. You do. Because when you look at everything, that can make you not move, <laughs> you know, because you you may feel like I got so much to do. There's absolutely no way I can do all of this. I want people to think 1%, 1% compounds. That's the thing, you know, and that's what I want people to know about healing and doing this work. It compounds, right? So the Tanya now wasn't the Tanya in March of 2015, but the Tanya now came from compounded interest every day. And so I, I say that because I want people to learn how to slow down versus speeding up. That's important. Getting people to slow down, you know, that's going to be one of the most challenging things. And so I I challenge people to start with one thing. Just, just one thing, whether that's your health, your finances, your emotional health, whatever that is for you in this season. And I, I always love to talk about seasons because seasons change, you know, um, and as seasons change, you grow. And so in this season, what can you do? I did start with one thing and that was reading books and listening to things. I didn't do anything beyond that. And so what is it that you can't effectively do, right? Give it maybe 30 minutes of what? Um, Another thing I'm going to say this too, that I think is so important is giving yourself grace on this journey. I talk about grace a lot because this isn't a linear path. Okay, so when you choose to do the work, when you choose to say, I want to change, you know, the trajectory of my life. I don't want you to feel like because something didn't go the way you planned, that it's not working and you stop. I want you to give yourself grace. I want you to also look at the progress you have made. One of the things that I do with my clients, you need to write down everything. What did you do to win today? Let's look at wins differently. What do we do to win? You know, and that is important. And let's define wins differently. It may not be something externally right now. It may be something internally. Let's start to go there. Let's let's be intentional about honoring our journey now so we can continue it moving forward. And so I think what's really important is not trying to look at the 30,000 foot view. Don't look at the 30,000 miles. Just look at the first step and just build upon that. And another thing is to there may be a time and a season where you may just need the extra accountability to help you do it. Knowing that you are an investment is very crucial. Sometimes there may be seasons where, you know what, I may not just be in a place where I can do this on my own and let me love myself enough to get the help. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, great advice. Um, Thank, thank you. you so much for joining me. Can you let everyone know where they can find you online and your podcast and your book, please.
3: Yes. um, You can find me on, um, I'm on Instagram as I am Tanya Carter. My website is Tanya My book is divorce your story. Um, you can find it on Amazon or you can go to my website, divorce your story you, you can find me there. And uh, my podcast is called purposely thriving. We're working on rebranding the name again, (laughs) changing the name again, but, um, that's the current name that it is for now. And I'm on all podcast platforms. So you can find me there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter.
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast and I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times and they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever you can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give you can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means the use